Welcome to Explain It. I'm Paul, and this is the Sunday of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, we also know it as Palm Sunday. I'd like to frame the uh, beginning of Holy Week with uh, this question. Uh, so what happens when your experience with Jesus uh, doesn't necessarily match your expectation of him? In other words, you have these hopes and uh, these dreams uh, you have these expectations of uh, what Jesus should do, how things uh, should go, uh, and yet you see the working out of these plans in a different way. And so there's this gap between your expectation and uh, your experience. This is what I think is really happening in the context of Holy Week, but also uh, after uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And there's this uh, little phrase, uh, Two disciples speak to Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Uh, they don't recognize him, and he's walking with them. And they're talking about the events of this holy week. And uh, they say, uh, but we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And Jesus opens up the scriptures to them on that, that walk to Emmaus, and he explains to them that how all of these Old Testament uh, events and prophecies spoke of his death and his resurrection, and that it had to happen this way. And so there's that tension between, but we had hoped. But then the comfort that we receive uh, is from the person and the work of Jesus. And we go to the scriptures and we hear, well, this is what is written. Well, it was, it was written uh, that the Messiah would come into the world, that the second person of the Trinity would take on human flesh. And the angels declare it uh, to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Today, to you, a Savior is born. A Savior. Now, there's all types of thoughts that go through our minds uh, when we hear the word Savior. What, is that? what does that mean? Save us from Save us from what? Save us from the oppression of the Romans. Uh, save us from our enemies. Uh, save us from death. Uh, save us from sickness. What does this mean today to you, a Savior? The Passion Week, you also hear uh, cries. Uh, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, you hear, Hosanna to the Son of David. Lord, save us. Again, what does it mean when they're crying out, Lord, save us? Save us from what? Well, uh, the events of Holy Week are going to make it clear that these crowds are wanting a, a physical king, a king of power, a, a king who will come and remove the Roman rule and uh, set up an earthly kingdom. And so they're, they're shouting and they have these expectations that Jesus is about to restore the, the physical uh, kingdom of Israel, the glory days. Oh, Jesus stands before Pilate, and Pilate says, Are you a king? Are you a, are you a threat to this, uh, this Roman Empire? And uh, Jesus says, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. Well, the crowd turns on Good Friday. They're stirred up by the religious leaders. And all of a sudden, the shouts of Hosanna, Lord save us, uh, turn into crucify him. Crucify him. And Jesus there uh, goes to the cross uh, and he cries out, it is finished. Now he's put into the tomb, and uh, no one, no one, although Jesus had talked about it, no one expected that he would rise on the third day. This was not part of their, um, their idea of how the kingdom was to play out. 
When they had seen him crucified, they put him into the tomb, and they run to the tomb looking to anoint the body. They didn't expect the tomb uh, to be uh, empty. And so this is what the angel says to them on that Easter morning. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. On that first day, these two disciples, again, on the Emmaus Road, are are talking with Jesus, and, and they don't recognize him. And they say, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So what happens when your expectations and your experience uh, with God don't match? Well, every dream brings it brings with it an expectation. And every expectation, uh, if it's not met, it brings a disappointment. And every disappointment, if it's not uh, reframed properly through the scriptures, brings despair. And despair, if not confronted or comforted with the gospel, uh, will bring death. But disappointment and despair also uh, do some beautiful work. They reveal uh, the false gods. What are those things that we trust in? And then they reveal to us that there's only one true God. As the disciples were uh, confronted with Jesus, do you want to leave too? Uh, They think about it, and Peter says, well, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So disappointment and despair, these expectations that we have, um, they really reveal uh, what is it that that we hope in? What is it uh, that we trust in? What is the false god? And then uh, when those false gods are uh, destroyed, their legs are cut out from underneath them, then the Holy Spirit um, drives us to the one true God, uh, the place where our hope should be at all times. Now, the real end game of uh, this world is not possessions or position or power. Now, that might seem strange because you see that uh, in action, don't you? Uh, but it's not really the, the end goal. Uh, possessions and position or power, uh, the end goal really is control, isn't it? I mean, those things just um, bring some uh, some sort of control over a situation. And so you see this played out even in the, uh, the tension of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, thy name versus my name. And thy kingdom versus my kingdom. And thy will versus, versus my will be done. And you see this Holy Week tension. It, it appears that sin and death and the power of the devil are out of control. But the reality, if we see it through the lens of the scriptures and in the person of Jesus, uh, during this week, uh, things are never more under control. Jesus is going to the cross. He's leading the way. He's not being pushed there. He's not being forced to go. Uh, He's leading the way. And he's going to the cross, and he's taking dominion over sin and death and the devil And he puts all things under his feet. This is the biblical language. He puts all things under his feet, under his control. So the Old Testament speaks of this entry of Jesus into Jerusalem with the promise about a king coming. Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. And so the promise of of a king. But again, what type of king? Isaiah the prophet says, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your Savior comes. Isaiah chapter 62, 
verse 11. Your Savior comes, your King comes. And so the crowd is shouting out, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Uh, They're really singing a psalm, uh, Psalm 118. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Now, you might think that there should be joy amongst uh, the disciples and Jesus himself hearing these words, a king and a savior coming, Hosanna, save us. But Jesus knows that their expectation of him is different than what he has been telling them. They want an earthly king, a king of power, someone to remove uh, the Romans. But he's speaking about another kingdom, and they don't, they don't recognize it. They don't accept it. They're not Uh, willing uh, to accept him as the Messiah who will rule in a different way over sin and death and the devil. So Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44, it's a parallel text, says this, uh, Jesus speaking, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. But we had hoped... Now, our phrase, we had hoped, always needs to be brought into a conversation with what is written, what is promised in God's word. Again, no one expected. No one expected going to that, uh, that tomb on the first day of the week that the grave would be empty. There were other expectations. Going into Holy Week, um, Thoughts of ruling and reigning, one of us sitting on his right hand, one of us sitting on the left hand of power, but no one expected what was going to occur during Holy Week and on the first day of the week. The epistle lesson is from Philippians chapter 2, and it speaks of uh, this humiliation and this exaltation of Jesus. And I think this is a a part of the, the gap between expectation and uh, our experience with Jesus. Now, the humiliation could be described in in just a phrase that during the ministry of Jesus' life, there were moments that he could fully use his divine powers, but he didn't. He could, but he didn't. One of those you see, uh, again, during the Passion Week. uh, In the garden, Peter, put your sword away. If I wanted to, I could call legions of angels. Could have Jesus, in, in, in just a word, freed um, you know, uh, all of his disciples uh, from, their, uh, from their fear and uh, taking control over the Roman legion that came to take him away? Yeah, absolutely. Though he could, he didn't. The exaltation, though, is he can and he does. He can and he does. So here's Philippians uh, chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he could have. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have said the word and not uh, gone to the cross. But he humbled himself. He became obedient to his Father's will. He took the very nature of a servant. He takes on our human flesh. He takes on our sin. And he knows that sin's wage is death. And he must pay that wage for for you and for, for me. And so he humbles himself. He could have, but he didn't. He's placed in the tomb, but then we hear of the resurrection. 
And in this moment, we know now that God exalts him. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord over sin and Lord over death and Lord over the devil, Lord over all things he can rule and reign and he, he does. So what happens um, when your experience with Jesus um, doesn't match up your expectation? Well, okay, you can look at your life and, and see that it might lead to disappointment and then maybe to despair. And if not dealt with, um, it can lead to death. But let's look at this from an, another perspective. What happens when your experience with Jesus goes beyond your expectations of Jesus? That you get more than you had even hoped for or dreamed of. Well, what, what happens then? Instead of despair, there is, this, there is this joy. Again, no one expected the tomb to be empty. So what happens when you, uh, again, experience the death of Jesus? He's put in the tomb, but then you go there on the first day of the week, and the angel says, he's not here, he's, he's risen. This is the hope that we have. Jesus himself does immeasurably more than all that we could ever think about or ask or imagine. We're thinking of earthly things, and Jesus is dealing with principalities and powers, defeating death itself. Now, we know this because there's another crowd, another crowd with palm branches. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So in this life, we are always saying this phrase, uh, but we had hoped. Well, we go to the scriptures and we hear, well, this is what is written. The Son of God must come into this world. He must take on human flesh. He must bear the sins of the world. He must go to Jerusalem, suffer and die. But on the third day, he will rise again. And all of a sudden, it's all reframed, isn't it? A different type of king fighting the real enemies and destroying them and taking dominion over them. And then we get more, more than we ever expected or imagined. And when that happens, there's great joy. So maybe that's why Zechariah begins uh, chapter 9, verse 9, with this word, rejoice. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 